Gordy here. Father, thank you so much for Gordy, for the way that he loves our congregation and your church, your bride. I pray, Father, that his thoughts would be clear today, that he would know what it is that you have to share with us. I pray also against any distractions that would come up, that you would keep this uh, sanctuary a peaceful place where your spirit is welcome. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kirsten. There we go. Nice when I can just start. Not on. Well, happy second Sunday of Advent to you. Um, it's a uh, uh, beautiful day. The fog's lifted. I got to watch my grandson playing soccer yesterday in the fog, and he told me afterwards sometimes the, the fog was so bad, he wasn't sure if he was passing the ball to the, to the right team. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? That's bad fog. Um, so we're, we're going through a teaching series on Advent, just on the theme of Advent. We're following the, the readings of, of uh, the lectionary. And Joanna did such a beautiful job launching our series last week with our intergenerational sermon. And today I want to, I, I'm, 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 um, I'm a really good example, personally, of this sermon. My life speaks very powerfully. I am the message in a negative way. And what not to do. <laughs> How many have ever been kind of a message that way? You know, this is what you don't do. Because my, uh, my topic, uh, I, really blew, I really blew it this week in many ways. And so I'm, I'm sharing out of weakness. But I've learned lots through my life that weakness can be a very powerful thing for, for, for God to work through. And so... Out of that weakness, I want to start with two stories that I, I, uh, so I became aware of this week. Some of you may have seen them, but they really caught my attention. And the first one had to do with the headline that said, Woman who jumped from the ferry survives. Is this for the crowd, Kenny? Not for you. Oh, so should I trade? I'm ready. Yep. Remember the headline. It was the original headline. Uh, in it was the day day or two after Halloween. It was I think uh, the first of November. This headline came out that a woman had 
was on the ferry between Horseshoe Bay and uh, Nanaimo, and uh, she jumped. And so search and rescue were working for five hours, and they found her. And I, re I remember that story. And this week, I read the remarkable story of what happened. This woman actually was attempting to take her life. And she was in the water for five hours. And uh, what had happened was she was having all kinds of sim physical symptoms and problems earlier in the year and dizziness. And, and she went to a doctor and she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. They told her she was going to die. So she kind of lived the summer preparing to die. And her, her, she stayed with her son here in, in False Creek, I think it was. And uh, I think her first name was Myra. I'll, I'll just say Myra, mid-40s. An artist. She actually has some kind of a place where she does her art in the city. And um, so she kind of spent the summer saying goodbye. And her whole plan was to take all her clothes off and jump into the water and, and end her life on October the 30th. That was the plan. And so she jumped, she, she jumped and somebody saw her. And they immediately rang the, you know, the alarm to let search and rescue know. They immediately, if, if someone's overboard, they, they have alarms that go off. They stop. Two ferries pulled up. While she was in the water, there was helicopters flying overhead. The guy that saw her threw a life uh, ring to her, and she, she tried to swim away from it. And, and so there was Zodiac, you know, those things uh, going back and forth, search and rescue for five hours. I don't know how she survived. It's October in the, in the, in the ocean. Probably helped, eh? I'll remember that. Okay. Anyway, it was it was about uh, it was about five hours that she saw she something touched her about the way everybody was going after her. Just the intensity of the search. And she's and that and for some mysterious reason that ring that she swam away from came floating towards her. And so she grabbed it, and she was almost dead by then, hypothermia. And they called off the search, and they grabbed the ring, and there she was. So they pulled her into, onto the boat, rushed her to the hospital at the, at, uh, at the ferry terminal, I think it was, or v, I think it was at the airport. Sorry, she got medevac to the airport. There was some kind of medical station. And they, they worked hard, and they revived her, and, and so, the story that came out this week was she looks perfectly well, she's normal. She said, she, I have my life back. And what had happened was, is after she recovered, they thought she, you know, she was mentally ill because when you have these, this hypothermia, all the, all the symptoms of, you know, they didn't know what was, she was not making sense. And what is really crazy about this story is that she went to the doctor and found out it was a misdiagnosis. So that story really hit me. 
Because what, what you have is, is, is an incredible paradigm shift, a metanoia, if you will, in a person's mind and heart that uh, involved a recognition of, of how people cared for her, the intensity of the search, but also a change of perception as to what her life looked like. There, there, was, there was misinformation. And so John the Baptist's message, which we're looking at today, is about calling for that kind of change of perspective. So that's the first story. The second story that will help us understand what I think the call of the Holy Spirit is today towards metanoia in us has to do with the movie Lady Bird, which my wife and I went recently to see. Great show, relational show between a teenage mom and her daughter. And she's coming of age, she's about to graduate from high school, it's in a Catholic school. So there's a lot of Catholicism kind of surrounding it, but it's a typical American teenager in the middle of, of the American, whatever America is these days, kind of growing up and about to graduate and wanting to go to college and there's this constant, the first five minutes I wanted to walk out because I've been through three months of the emotionally healthy spirituality and it was just like the complete opposite. But I'm glad I hung in there. It was, it was a good story, good writing. But probably the, for me, one of the most powerful moments, and there's a number of them in the show, but one of the most powerful moments, I think without uh, giving you spoilers, was when a, she's being interviewed by a nun about her plans for college. So the nun is one of the educators in the school, and uh, the, the girl, Christine is her name, she's, uh, Saoirse Ronan stars as Christine, who calls herself Lady Bird, and this girl is convinced that she hates Sacramento, where she lives, Sacramento, California. And it comes out several times in the movie before this particular scene, so that when she's talking to the nun, or the nun's speaking with her, the nun's kind of at a desk, and they're across from each other, and the, and the nun is reading her, her college application essay that she had to do. And the nun smiles at her and says, it's very clear how much you love Sacramento. And of course, Christine, not wanting to be adversarial, says, uh, well, I, I guess I just, I pay attention. And the nun said to her right back, don't you think that's the same thing? Love and paying attention. Paying attention is an important form of love. And I think that's God's invitation to us in this season of Advent today, as we look at our text, because we're talking about preparing to meet God. And I think the metanoia that is radical for our time, as radical as this metanoia that this lady that was pulled out of the water experienced, is the call to pay attention in our time. So let's look at our text. This is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you a little bit here, but I want, you to, I want you to hear the echoes of the second reading with our Advent candle that we read today together. 
I want you to hear the echoes of that passage, that beautiful passage. The Holy Spirit was really on it. Comfort, comfort my people. Say to Jerusalem, your hard times are over. It's a new day. There's so much hope in that. And we're in this Sunday of peace. This is the peace Sunday, I think, of, of Advent. And there's something, the word peace actually isn't mentioned in our text, but the, the word fear not is, which I think is the action we take towards receiving God's peace. So the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Now what's kind of humorous for those of you that are really into the Bible is it actually wasn't Isaiah that said that there. Does anybody know who said it? The Italian prophet, Dan Malachi, <laughs> Malachi. I like to say Malachi. It's better, right, Dan? Sounds better. Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. But um, Jews regarded kind of two major prophets, the former prophets and the latter prophets. And Isaiah was seen as the head of the latter prophets, which was kind of what we know as the prophets today. The former prophets were Samuel and Judges and Joshua and those books. So there was, they kind of had two sections. So that's why Mark, as a, as a Jew, would summarize this quote as being actually from Malachi and Isaiah, because the second, verse 3, is Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness... Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. So, who was this messenger? Who was Isaiah predicting would come? Who, who is this person? John. John the Baptist. And Mark goes on to give us the answer to that, doesn't he? And so... John, I noticed today the millennials like to start their sentences with so. Have you noticed that? Like you ask them a question and they go, so? I, I, that's different for me. I'm relearning how to speak English. So, so I think Mark was a millennial. So, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance. That's that word, metanoia. For the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. This, these two verses would, are composed of what J.I. Packer would love to call the conversion complex. The conversion complex is a combination of repentance, confession, forgiveness, baptism. So all of these things come together as we know in our reconciliation with God. Confession is where we admit, yeah, I am a sinner. I need grace. I need mercy. Repentance is a, is a change of thinking. It means literally to think again, to change our way of thinking. And, and of course, um, forgiveness is not only 
being absolved from the guilt of our sin, but I love the, the Greek for this. It's literally a picture of that scapegoat in the Old Testament when they would lay hands on the, on the goat. Remember that? They'd lay hands on that goat, then they'd drive him with their sins. It was literally a picture of driving that goat into the wilderness with their sins. It was like sending their sins away. So forgiveness isn't just about, oh, that's okay. It's about sending those sins away from your life. Is that good news? What about the rest of you? And of course, baptism, which is a tangible way. And if you haven't been baptized, as an, as a, as an expression of your faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his death and resurrection for you, I highly encourage you to do that. It drives such a powerful stake in the ground against the work of the enemy. So it had been 400 years since a prophet had appeared in Israel. 400 years since a, since a voice had, had come with authority. And so John the Baptist got attention when he showed up. And his garb didn't, didn't hurt either. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. Does anybody remember who else kind of looked like that in the Old Testament? Elijah, yeah. So he looks like Elijah. In fact... Some of the Old Testament prophecies say that Elijah would come, and they're going, maybe this is Elijah. And he ate locusts and wild honey, common staple out there in the, the wilderness east of the, of the Jordan. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. So John the Baptist was the messenger, and what was he supposed to do? He was to what? Prepare the way of the Lord. And what's the Hebrew for the Lord in Isaiah? Guess it. Yahweh. So... Just a quick little theological lesson. If Yahweh was the Lord that John the Baptist was preparing the way for, who is Mark saying is Yahweh? Jesus. The one that he was, he's talking about right here, right? Just a little Trinitarian point there. So we've been talking about how Advent is, means coming or God's arrival and that there's three aspects in our Advent season that we're looking at. One that God has arrived in his son Jesus when he was born of the Virgin Mary and grew up in Nazareth and lived his life and went about doing good and healing the sick and then he was crucified for our sins and buried and he rose again. He's arrived. God came. But God will arrive, and he's predicted that we need to, again, be watchful. We need to be attentive. We need to be alert. And that God is arriving, and we also need to be alert for that, and that preparation is important. What's at stake if we're not prepared? What's at stake if John the Baptist hadn't have come, if he hadn't have prepared the way for, for God's arrival? What, what would have happened if John hadn't have come? If he hadn't have prepared the way, why is preparation so important? I mean, it's, it's a picture of a king who's going to come to town, a royalty, 
and they prepare the roads. They move, remove the roadblocks and they get all the, the welcoming all set up so that the king's arrival is, is done right. Worthy of royalty. And so it's that picture that John is saying is God is coming. He's, he's arriving. How do we prepare? Well, I think the important thing of preparation is understanding what's at stake if we're not. And what happened for those who were not prepared? Remember when the Pharisees came to him and they said, uh, you just kicked over all our money tables. You just drove out all our donkeys from the temple. Who gives you the right to do that? What, did John, what was his response? I accidentally gave it away. I'm not a great teacher. <laughs> what did he, who did he point them to? He said, John the Baptist, baptism. Was it from God or from people? And you know the story, right? They went and had a little theological debate, and they say, well, it wasn't a theological de debate. It was save our own butt abate, debate. It was kind of like, if we say he's from God, then he's going to say, well, why didn't you listen to John? But if we say he's from people, we fear, fear the people, and they'll stone us because they believe John's a prophet. So they came back to Jesus and they said, we can't tell you. He said, well, I'm not going to tell you where my authority is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was funny. So in some ways, Jesus was saying his credentials John was his reference. You know, when you're looking for a job and you want a good reference, he's saying, John's my reference. But in saying that, he was also saying that if you believe God, John, then the Father, God, is my refuge and my reference. Yahweh is my reference. And John graphically describes this. The, the, the beloved John, not John the Baptist, describes this in John 1. He was in the world. He's talking about Jesus. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That's what's at stake when we're not ready, when we're not paying attention, is we miss him. We don't recognize God's arrivals to us. It happened the first time. It'll happen the second time. And it happens now because God is always coming to us with initiatives of love and grace and mercy and goodness. And we miss them and we don't see them until like that woman who's thrown her life away. A drastic occurrence comes where she realizes somebody cares this much. My life is worth saving. So God is hidden in plain sight. So the challenge for us is the challenge of paying attention in our culture, in our time. That is the metanoia. So I want to talk about it. I want to work with an article I read this week, third story. I think it came out of the Bank of England. One of the writers, a, a, a blogger, a guy named Dan Nixon. And his, the title of the article, Is the Economy Suffering from a, lack, from a Crisis of Attention? Because the research has shown, he writes, that we are now distracted 50% of the time. In a world of information overload, he asked the question, what do we pay attention to? 
The research from 2013 showed that our, we check our smartphones 150 times a day, every six and a half minutes. More recent research shows that we, we spend two and a half hours a day on average on these phones in 76 different sessions. And he quotes William James, a philosopher who says, our lives amount to whatever we have paid attention to. So I'm not going to be that old guy that says, ah, the smart things all of the devil. You know, I'm not. There are some beautiful uses of technology that are wonderful. But we are, and he, we are suffering some problems here. And he gives a graph. I don't know if you can see this. But this graph, the top has to do with productivity. And productivity is more than just money, more than just uh, TFP means total factor productivity. It's kind of like, have you ever heard the term triple bottom line or those kind of terms? It's the bottom line used to be how much money you make. And many companies are recognizing there's more to just that bottom line. It's like how healthy are your relationships in your company and how well are you treating the environment? So it's kind of that TFP, that's what they mean by that. So this is just showing how this has gone down with the increase of smartphone technology, right? Look at that. And, and by the way, it started here with the internet, with email, with being online. Like, so those are factors as well. So our minds comprise the bulk of our human capital, he goes right. He's writing from a business perspective, but it affects all our lives. That what we direct our attention towards is integral to the output of our mental activity. Paying attention is a key is a key input. They talk about things that are happening on the job called cyber slacking, where work time for personal purposes, particularly for millennials, is uh, uh, on, on mobile technology is up to 1.8 hours a day, 1.8 hours a day on average. Problem with distraction is that it takes 25 minutes to recover from a distraction. So if you get distracted by something, and, and this happens in my work all the time. An email, a phone, a text, a notification. What happens is, it's not just that I got distracted for that. I then might tend to it or not, but just to recover mentally so that I'm focusing on what I was doing takes 25 minutes. Just for one thing. And so... They're finding that the influx of calls, emails, text, notifications, which we all thought made us more efficient, is now reducing our quality of work. They, they said that our IQ is reduced by 10 points with these kinds of uh, interruptions, which is the equivalent of not having a night's sleep. And news feeds are designed to keep you scrolling. They're bottomless. Like I go, oh, that's, a, that's interesting. There's some good news there. And, oh, there's more news. Oh, oh, oh. Like it's just endless, a bottomless pit. So distractions then cause more distractions. And what they're finding out, the research is now showing that when we allow ourselves to be distracted that way, it's also affecting how we normally are in life, that just without the smartphone technology, without the emails, without those things, we will let our minds wander. We're more prone to do that. 
So we lose our capacity to focus. We lose our capacity to pay attention. And there's different, they're, they're saying that a lot of people at work have different sources of notifications, so they're constantly scanning the different channels of notifications. It's like channel surfing, only it's at work. You know, messenger, text, email, Facebook, whatever. It's just like you're channel surfing, right? And, and often it's for no reason. It's just this addiction that we've cultivated for checking. So companies are now, he writes, uh, well, first of all, he, he just makes the point that so-called multitasking is impossible. It's, it's actually de-skilling the labor force. And some companies are actually experimenting, experimenting with um, single-tasking as a mode of working. Um, you, there is no such thing as multitasking. And just being honest about that. Yeah, probably where I'm, I'm worst at trying to multitask is actually when I'm making meals. And, 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 and I'm actually worse, like I've learned a way to, to not multitask making meals better for supper when I'm making meals for others than, I, than I, when I'm making a breakfast for myself. And the reason is, is when I'm making a breakfast for myself, I put less priority on that time. And so I'm just, okay, you know, I have this little Italian coffee maker, you know, the ones you put on the stove and you... So, so the... Uh, it was yesterday. I was going to say a few years ago. It was yesterday. So I, I was so excited because I had an opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to take my grandson to a soccer game, but it was out in Poco. So I had a few things to do with the church and the sermon and, you know, whatever. Christine needed her bullet to note. So I was, I was trying to get all those things done. And then I, I noticed with breakfast, I tried to get the toast going, get the eggs boiling, get the coffee going, you know, make, make sure my, my uh, almond milk drink is ready with, for my meds. And, 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 and I know better than this. I know better than this. But I just started trying to do too many things at one time. So... But I knew that it was all going to be worth it when I finally, that espresso went to my lips. And I got in the car with the cup holder and I picked up my grandson and all was good. And as I'm about to go out the door, I get the espresso, I got the cream in the cup and I realized I hadn't put the coffee in. It's just hot water. And I, I had no time to re redo. It was so painful. The withdrawal was horrible. <laughs> Can you just feel it? <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so and, and nobody is saying this is easy. Um, but they're, they're, they're embracing single tasking in corporations now, companies. They're embracing mindfulness training, which if you want to know what mindfulness training, mindfulness, beginner 101, emotionally healthy spirituality. That's kind of, you know, you do the, if you do the exercises, you do the practices, that's actually practicing mindfulness. There's a lot more to learn in that, but that's what it is. It's about paying attention to yourself while you pay attention to God, and while you pay attention to others. And that's why we have the silence when we come into church. Uh, Jared Boyd said that for their church, they have 10 minutes. That, I could just feel the squirming if we did that. Just, ah, 
Um, so I have, I have found that, uh, I, I literally now in order to survive, I have to have blocks of time where I turn off all notifications. My, my Sabbath, no notification, no phone, no, no texting, no messenger, nothing, right? And it is a bit of withdrawal there, but I have to do it. I have to do it just to, to survive. Um, and I have to decide when to look at email. Like, imagine I come into a morning. It's 9 o'clock, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, I got some tasks to tend to. I've had a good time in prayer, and I'm ready to go, and, and, and I've I got to get a sermon ready, or i got to write a proposal, or i got to get ready for a leadership team meeting, or whatever it is. It's, a lot of it is thinking work at that time. I try to reserve the mornings for thinking work, because that's when I think the most. In the afternoon, I don't think. That's when I talk to you. No, no, just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> I just not quite, and so um, I'll stop while I'm ahead there. Uh, so, so just imagine, you know, I got a sermon prepared. I'll just let's say it's a sermon that I want to be a single focus on, and 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 I'm going to open my email box, right? Now, most of them are benign, but it just takes one, and I've lost an hour, and it's. It's hard to, you know, I'll be preparing in the morning and I'll go for a couple hours and I go, I wonder what's in that inbox. I wonder what so-and-so said. I wonder what the, you know what I mean? Like, like all that stuff is going on. So he, he concludes by writing about some deeper issues that are happening. He says, the, the deeper problem, rather than all this work productivity stuff, is that as a society, sociologically and psych, psychologically, this information overload and bombardment is preventing us from wanting what we want to want. Can I say that again? That's quite a statement. It is preventing us from wanting what we want to want. Do you know why? Because the marketers, they're all out there and they know how our human psyche works. And they just bombard us and we get we get hijacked. So there, this is going on. It's preventing us from wanting what we want to want. So this whole idea of Advent, of what are we longing for and what are we seeking for, gets sabotaged. Secondly, um, being able to pay attention not only to tasks, but especially to people, is a crucial input to the cultivation of, in, of empathy, of being able to really connect and feel what someone else is feeling. This art of paying attention is absolutely critical. And he argues that that's eroding. There's an erosion of empathy, which explains why a Muslim teenage girl on the SkyTrain could be assaulted Verbally and then physically. And only one young guy stood up to defend her. I think everybody else was on their smartphone. If not literally, in their brain. It erodes empathy. So, 
The act of slowing down to pay attention is a critical act of preparation in order to recognize God's arriving in our lives. And the good news of our text is that God, the word John, the name John, means God is gracious, which means you're not on your own in this. God wants to help us in this art of paying attention. He's pursuing us like those zodiacs that were going back and forth looking for that woman and those helicopters that are flying. He's sending his helicopters in and his zodiacs and his, his, his uh, search. And two fairies, two BC fairies stopped. One was, she said one was here and one was here and she was in between. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And they looked for her. So God wants you to know. I love the last verse of Psalm 119. Have you read Psalm 119? Like all 176 verses? Have you read it? It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow you. Lord, I long for you. Help, you know, and the last, I love the last verse. I pray it almost every day. Lord, I am like a lost sheep. Please come and find me. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> And Wooly said, amen, back there. So, <clears throat> so prayer and reflection. Here's what I'd like you to do. What are your greatest temptations to distraction in your relationship with God? What are your greatest temptations to distraction in your relationship with others in community? And what is God's invitation for you to think again? And implement some practices that can help you be better prepared for God's arrivings in your life. And God's gentle, just, it's just one step at a time. What's just one step that could help you? I'm still, I'm still going, you know, I had one morning where I was supposed to be preparing a sermon. And I had all kinds of issues to deal with. And some of them were deadlines where people were waiting to hear back from me. One had to do with the guy at the diocese where I have to grab him when I can get him. And he called. And I just felt like, a, you know, those crows when they just, pull, they just come and land on you and they just pull you in every direction. And, and I just cried out, Jesus, help me. Help me. So I totally get the difficulty in our culture and our time with deadlines and responsibilities and children and, you know, it's not easy. And then we have all this information overload to add to it. But God is here and he wants to help us. He wants to help us with this. So I'd like us to just end with silence and might give some time for feedback, if, if, uh, if that's okay with you. If there is some good ones. But what's God's invitation to you? Let's go back into silence, take a couple of minutes, and then I'll call you back.
I'm going to get Kenny to help me with the mic and just anybody want to share anything that is helping you pay attention? Or just even response to the challenge? If you'd like to share, just raise your hand and uh, Sandra. Um, I thought I was really touched by that woman's story also this week, but what was sort of interesting is that um, it says that she's not religious, but um, I guess five hours in frigid waters makes you start praying. And so it was not just that people were seeking her, but she finally, I think, also just had it. And she was, she prayed for help, like just something. And then that life preserver that she'd swum away from just like floated like right directly to her. And I just thought that is just like so amazing, you know? And um, yeah, and I'm, I think I'm really struck like this morning at 5 a.m., you know, me and God are having like a little chit chat. And not like Saint waking up at 5 a.m. to have a happy chit-chat. Me just stewing in anxiety about something. And being then mad at God, not just letting me sleep through it. Um, so, uh, but I, I was praying for God's help about this situation that I'm feeling really anxious about. And I felt like God, it's kind of like that preserver. like, And it's, it's preparing. He doesn't just come. He invites us to also prepare, right? And like that woman, maybe, you know, she swam away from the life preserver, but at some point, like maybe would God know she needs the life preserver? He knows she needs help. But I, at the same time, he also lets, she had to do something there maybe, you know, like ask and be willing to see things different, right? Um, and so I felt like I was praying this morning and going, help me, help me, help me. And I felt like God say to me, 
I'm here. This is the hell right now. And, um, but also, he was like, I'm not going to do your job. So you're asking for help, and I'm here, but I'm not going to do it for you. Like, there's parts that I have to do, and it strikes me as I was listening there that I would sometimes just prefer the fear, the generalized anxiety, than to maybe do it wrong, you know? Like, to try to do what God wants me to do and kind of F it up, (laughs) you know? Like, maybe I'd rather have that sometimes, the fear instead, and... Yeah, I don't know, so I just, that's kind of what's been in my heart there. Wow. Powerful. Thank you, Sandra. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Joanna? I'm not really feeling any great insight, but I just wanted to offer the encouragement to you, and I don't know if it's encouragement to anybody else, that this message is right on time for me and something I've really been struggling with and actually something that we were talking, we had a conversation with Sophia about last night, and um, it's just timely and helpful, and what you shared was helpful, Sandra, so I really appreciate it, and I appreciate both your honesty and just saying that you're, that you're in that, and it's, yeah, I'm finding that too. So it's helpful to just be here and feel not by myself because I think a lot of what I'm, a lot of the reasons that I reach out to look at something online is because I feel lonely or I feel afraid or because I feel like I don't want to be doing what I'm doing right now. And so I actually printed this little prompt out off of a website, Ann Voskamp, who's a Christian writer that I like. And it's like, these are 10 things to do before you go online. And I've just noticed this week that I am lonely. And it's simply things like, go look out the window for five minutes. Um, You know, smile 10 times and just sing a praise chorus. Like, it's all these things, but it's mimicking that that dopamine, that little response where I just want to go look at a picture. I just want to look at something funny. I just want to see something and noticing how often it's because I'm lonely or I'm frustrated or I don't like what's happening. And, um, but I just feel like what you're saying about noticing my part and calling out to God. So it's, this is um, helpful and timely. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Joanna. So, so we've heard two powerful emotions already mentioned, fear loneliness and so those are the things to pay attention to with this this whole struggle right with distractions be aware of those things you know that yucky feeling that you're trying to get rid of and uh, I don't know how uh, generous you feel Joanna but it might be good to make those 10 things available to us somehow that would be really cool what a beautiful thing. Ten things to do before you go online. <laughs> Kathleen. I just feel convicted by the Holy Spirit that for me, it's the, the temptation to distraction is the sense, maybe it's related to independence or pride, where you think maybe some of you can relate, some of you don't relate. But for me, I think I have to do this. This is my job. If I don't do it, then it won't get done, which I think is totally erroneous that's not true 
So like other people are poised to help, but I have to be sensitive enough to know who to ask for help. So in our home, it would be a disaster if I thought I had to do everything. And it would be a disaster for you if you thought you had to do everything. So we have a partnership, right? And um, so I think it's like, you know, why it's so important when we have our homestay student that we involve her or him in our lives. Otherwise, I think I have to do everything for that person. And then I get overwhelmed. I have to do everything for my daughter. I get overwhelmed. I can't do it. So I get caught up in all the tasks instead of making room for the Holy Spirit to help me rest. Does that make sense? So I guess that's what community seems to be. Like, we could never have done the emotionally healthy spirituality without Nate and Kate. They were huge, right? And if we had tried to do it, we would have been toast. I guess that's the word for toast. <laughs> that's what our toaster sounds like. <laughs> Thank you, Kathleen. So I hear there thinking again, thinking again. So it'd be good to just explore kind of what are some of the feelings behind that sense of what, why do I feel like I have to do this? You know, uh, you know some of the things behind that would be, Belinda? Um, yeah, I just wanted to share something uh, uh, related to church. Um, like, yeah, I think this is a really timely <laughs> um, topic and I could talk a lot about it um, in lots of different ways. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's something people are thinking about a lot. Um, but uh, just something exciting with the kids' church right now, um, we had a meeting on Thursday night and, I don't know, there's a sense of, I think, growing excitement, a renewed mm -hmm. uh, Excitement, and that's come from realizing that as leaders and parents of our kids in the church, that we can work together. <laughs> oh, crazy! Um, so for a long time, we've kind of had our own little groups and kind of yeah. been doing it and squirreling away and feeling lonely or alone and feeling like it's all on one person each week, but... Um, I don't know, we've got this new curriculum that's just started and we're just trialing it right now. Um, but yeah, there's three leaders down there right now who are also parents, but I don't know. There's just a, it's, it's not perfect, uh, but I think there's a renewed sense of, oh, this could be, could be pretty good. And it is feeling healthier uh, because we're realizing we need to draw on each other's strengths and it's okay to say no if you can't do something. Mm -hmm. uh, be realistic um, and, yeah, come together and be together and be more efficient about uh, our resources and what we have to offer. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. So I hear, I hear an invitation from the Lord there about um, this in this whole area of paying attention to each other in the sense of um, yeah what, what is that eh that makes us try to bowl alone as the guy wrote the book eh bowling alone what is that and uh, what are the forces behind that and what are the lies that make us jump off the boat into the water and you know, 
metaphorically speaking. Ken? Okay, yeah, I'm going to speak on something. As I've been uh, in the past, as you know, as I first came to church, I was a little wire, and now I've calmed down, and I've been <laughs> to a point. But... <laughs> But, but I've, been, I've been watching, uh, even as much as I hate cell phones and the web and everything, there's a lot of good stuff there. And I've been watching a lot of stuff as on, on um, well-being doc- documentaries from India, from Buddhist people and all that stuff. And the problem with society that I've seen and that, or that I've basically learned is everybody is in a rush. Everybody is do-do-do, internet all this stuff. And what people have lost is self-well-being. You get a guy goes on the bus there. He gets on the bus. As soon as he walks on the bus, he stops, checks his iPhone, not thinking about his surroundings or other people. What we have lost is that we've, we keep going and going and going. I need this. I need that. I need this. And I need that. And by the time you turn 65, you're still not complete. I still need something. What is it I'm missing? And you've said this in one of your sermons. You're missing God. You're missing how to love people. You're missing all that. And what you have to do, what Joanne said, which really hit the point with me, get away from it. Look at that picture. Go for the walk in the park and actually see what life's really about. Get away from the machine. That's what it is. Get away from the machine because it's starting to control you. And like you said, those guys are molding you into what they want. Don't let them mold you. Let God mold you. And that's my point. Awesome. Will, one, one more. Yes, you do because of the podcast. Thanks. Yep. I just wanted to get away from those things, but I I have to completely agree with Kenny, and what I've been doing the last month or so is uh, just shutting everything off for a few hours, like a TV, phone, internet, and sitting down and and reading a book, and, you know, it's, it's really bizarre because it's almost like, you know, when you're younger and you could run a mile, no problem, but you try and do it like when you're 50 and you haven't even walked a mile in a long time, it's torture. So you, the same thing as when you try and pick up something that it, it's, it's, it doesn't react with you or it doesn't flash at you, you know, it, it doesn't talk to you. You have to somehow use your imagination to let it come to life, like reading the Bible, for instance, like reading a whole book in the Bible. It, it's really difficult not to be distracted, not to think, oh, hey, what time is it? Uh, and like you were saying earlier, oh, I wonder how so-and-so responded to my email. But um, you can do that, but it takes practice. It's, it's, like, it's like running that mile again. You're not going to do it right off the bat, but in a few weeks, in a few months, or so forth, you're, you're able to turn everything off. And it, it's very, it, it really is it's, it's empowering. It's, it, it's peaceful. And... You regain your energy. It's like you, your batteries aren't sucked out. Yeah. And you don't have all this false in, in, narr- narrative from the enemy, I find, which comes from, like, the TV, yeah. the Internet, um, so yeah. forth and so on. So, yeah, I just wanted to agree with that. And thank, thank you. Thank you, Will. Oh, 
So hi, I'm an online marketer. I'm in the middle of this. Hi, Scott. So I'm kind of torn. Um, I'm thankful that I'm in an area of marketing where people have to actually search for what my clients want. Yeah. Um, I guess in a way I'm after you all, but in a very polite way, somewhat. Um, so I just want to agree with what Gordy said. Uh, a lot of the discussion in my industry is getting away from multitasking. Often I will have multiple windows open. I will be working on a report. I'll be answering an email and I'll be doing some work for my clients and it, it just doesn't work. It really doesn't work. So what I usually do is just scream, focus, 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 boy. <laughs> or Thanks like that. learned in the EHS course <laughs> is basically breathing deep, which I really never put into practice. You know, I'd heard it all my life. Um, but it works. And whatever you need to say, Abba Father or Lord Jesus, my Savior, please. I often go, please help me be with you. Because the yeah. thoughts just go and go and go. Yeah. So, um, I'll even, my crazy brain will even, you know, okay, two minutes of silence. Two, two, two minutes and one. Uh, <laughs> double mint. Uh, it's, yeah, so it's hard. I have to, re I need more. In the future, I'm going to need more silence and more flushing out of just uh, things misfiring or just to get to the point where I go, hey, I think I'm ready to be with you now. Yeah. Um, so I think I want to apply that to my work. But it's difficult because there's just so much messaging coming at you. And I block it. I If I'm... Uh, watching a video on my phone and there's an ad, I turn the volume down and I close my eyes. I, I, I don't like what a lot of marketing is. So again, I'm, I'm thankful that I kind of like, you have to search for what my clients, I'm not putting it in front of your face. I'm not the guy in the, in the strip mall parking lot that approaches you with a gym bag full of plush toys. That's sticking, because that's, that's really not permission marketing. That's, but there's lots of that going on in the life, uh, in everybody's life. That, I thought you, know, you were going to say, I'm not that balloon guy. That's yeah, it. yeah. So, um, pray for me. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Scott. So good. So good. I mean, we need the kingdom there, don't we? We really need the kingdom in those areas. So, so. Um, yeah, you know, we're going to have to shut it down here. I'm so sorry, but we, we've got to go get our kids. We've, this has been so good. We'll continue this conversation. Talk about it on our Facebook site, our closed group. Oh. But read 10 things. Why, you know, that thing first before you go on. So let's all stand together. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So good. Thank you. That's just rich. I like it when the congregation preaches. That's good. Do that more. So, Holy Spirit, you've heard what we've said. You've heard what we've talked about. We've brought our, our brokenness, our feelings, our struggles, our, our successes, where things have helped. And we just present it all to you and ask that you would empower us this week, Lord, just to... To practice this thoughtfully, mindfully, in a way that, Lord, where we're, we, we don't become prudish or legalistic about it, but we, we, we pursue your life. And, and as Scott said, we, uh, 
we ask to be with you, Lord. We ask to be with you. You with us, that's, that's, that's a given. But we want to be with you. So would you, would you help us, Lord, to do that? As a community, help us to help and encourage one another to do that. Help us to pay attention to one another. And uh, help us to be... Uh, Help us to be mindful of, of, of our limits and respectful of, our, of those limits and boundaries and, and recognize that we're human, that we, we're not God, we're not God to each other, but just to have open hands of grace towards each other. So I bless you this week uh, just to be attentive, to, to grow in your attention to God, to yourself, to others. And in this season of Advent, we say, come Lord Jesus. And we ask that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.